Good morning. Thank you, Robbie. Those beautiful words and that beautiful song and that wonderful children's story. I feel like we could have a closing hymn and it'd be a really good service already. But you know, when I think about the song, there's a better world. I know a lot of you have gone through a lot in the last year. Maybe you had COVID. Maybe you lost a loved one to COVID. You lost somebody in your family. And it's been tough, and maybe we can go back further than a year. But I want to assure you there's something better. Much better. Our intelligent designer, who we'll be talking about, um, didn't intend for any of us to die. He never intended for anybody to suffer. Or to even feel sad for one second. And he has something better for us. And we know that because we can look at the things that he has made. And if there's anything bad in the world, it's because we misused the things he made. But it was all made for good. The beautiful wheat was never meant to turn to alcohol but to feed us with bread. Yes. And so, um, so we have much to be thankful for because that better world will soon be here. Amen. Let us pray. Father, whatever the hurts may be, they may be physical, may be emotional, may even be struggling spiritually. But we know you not only as the great creator, but the great physician. Whatever might trouble us, not knowing whether to go left or right, we know you're the great problem solver. And Father, we know that light will dispel the darkness as we get to know you better, who is the light. And we know that because of you, there is life, not for a moment, but for eternity. And that all good flows from your throne. So help us, Father, to begin our, begin our day with you, knowing that you're the great supplier of all that pertains to life. And help us to keep our focus on you leading us and encouraging us and sustaining us through each day is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the, the series that will begin on intelligent design is actually based on a, a program I'm developing on mental health called Intelligent Design Therapy. Because most therapies are focused on men or women going to other people to solve their problems. But the reality is, is God can use people to help people a little bit. But people can't make other people complete. Only God can make us complete. And at some point, we need to make sure that each day, we need to begin with the one who is able. Not only just able, he's always available. People aren't always available when you need them. And they're not always able. Even with all their best intentions. We do need someone who is able and available. And that is God. And so as we think about intelligent design, we realize that it's, it's not just enough that we believe that there is a creator. 
We need to know who this creator is. And as we, we look at this, we know there's design, don't we? I mean, when you look at the animal world, and we're going to be talking about this, there are so many things that are familiar. And if you were to look at our world and say, does the world look like it has a designer? Would I expect this world to look like this if there were a designer? Absolutely, it would look like this. And, you know, not that, not the sin part of it, but the design of it. Uh, the starry sky. And when you look at the human body, and the more they're able to look at the human body and all those nano things in our body, the more we realize there's no way this happened by chance. Now, the, the thing is, is that we cannot read another person's mind. So for me to know Mike, what do I need to do? I need to watch what you're doing. <laughs> I'm watching. But I need to talk to Mike. And if he's written things, I, I, I read the things and that would be ultimately the only way I would get to know Mike, isn't it? Because yes. I can't read his mind. But you can't read God's mind either. Amen. You can't read anybody's mind. How do you get to know God? Has he spoken? He has spoken in nature and in his word. Yes. And as you commune with him, there are providential leadings. God will be involved in your life. And you'll sense the movement of the Holy Spirit. You may not see the Holy Spirit, but there's evidence. A changed life. uh, The impressions you get from him based on his word, where they agree. And you realize there is a God. There's a God who loves me and a God who knows me. But if we want to know God, so when I'm looking at the first angel's message, and it says, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory, For the hour of his judgment has come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Well, God's not just asking us to convince the world of creation. The world's asking us to learn what it means to have a fear of God and what it means to give glory to God. What does it mean to to worship God? You see, Seventh-day Adventist is not just means creationist. It means that you know this God by the things he's made. Does that make sense? And this isn't just about the seventh-day Sabbath. This is about living and knowing God throughout eternity. This is really our ultimately our calling. Okay. I turned it on. There we go. This is a beautiful verse, Romans 1, 20. It's couched into really talking about the Gentile world that doesn't have a Bible. But even because they don't have a Bible, they're without excuse and knowing the true God. Why? Because of the things he's made. Because there is a designer behind all this wonderful design. For the invisible things of him. What would be the invisible things of him? Are there things about God I don't see? Yeah, I don't see eternity. I don't see self-existence. I don't, I can't see. But somehow if I look at the things he's made, I gain an education, an understanding of his eternal power. And that's what this verse is about. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, or you could say his divinity. 
so that they are without excuse. I can't see divinity. I can't see eternal power. I can't see the voice that called everything into existence. But I can look at these things and then begin to clearly understand his eternal power. Begin to understand his divinity for eternity, right? And this is why we are Seventh-day Adventists. This is why we're creationists, because we want to begin to see things that we can't see. We want to experience these things. But the thing is about intelligent design is that for a created being to see things you can't see, God has to give us that ability. And that doesn't happen by chance. That doesn't happen by randomness. That happens because God designed your brain to have the capability of understanding things you can't see. That's an amazing mind, isn't it? That's what it's to be used for. So intelligent design therapy involves more than simply believing in a creator. It's about believing in his character. It's about believing in his laws. And we'll have a list here pretty soon that behind everything he has made, he has principles and laws. He gives us a physical body so we know there are laws of health. He's given us a mind. There are laws that govern the mind. There's laws that govern the physical world. The laws of morality. All these laws exist because he made all these things. And he gives us these laws to know how to take care of these things. And when we break these laws, there's a consequence. There's a a diminishing of that creature. It brings suffering, brings death. But in the obedience to all these laws that are made available to us, there's a way of understanding him better and loving him more and experiencing good health and good mental health, right? Now, natural selection, which another word would be evolution, the theory of natural selection is an attempt to explain our natural world and universe without a creator and a designer. Natural selection teaches that random processes will eventually generate anything and everything if you just give it enough time. So if you'd start with a single cell that they can't explain why they started with a single cell, but if you just give that single cell enough time, it will become the 7 million species of animals we have in the world. And it's simply an attempt to explain all these things without God. But the reality is, we should always begin with God. Because when you're trying to feel better, if you try to feel better, you're sad and you're trying to feel better and you're going to do it all without God, good luck. You might feel a little better here and there. But ultimately, you never have peace. You're always going to struggle. Because that's simply the kind of world we live in. There are limits to randomness. Because there's a limit to how many particles or elements that are in our world. 
For example, our, our periodic chart, I didn't have a picture of it, but there's 118 elements. You can't say there's an infinity of randomness to create things or generate things with something that only encompasses 118 elements. There would be a limit. And what is the possibility that you could just take these 118 elements of our, our world? That's all there is. But they're put together in all special kind of ways and combinations to make everything by God. And, uh, but to think that these 118 elements could just be randomly thrown together and you have this perfectly ordered world takes more faith than believing in a creator. Ultimately, and more time doesn't help, and we'll get into that in a little bit. 99% of your body is comprised of just six elements. Isn't that interesting? Oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen, carbon, calcium, and phosphorus. What's the possibility of taking six elements randomly, whipping them together, and coming up with a human being? That's not even possible. I don't even want to say possible. I want to say the word zero. Because as soon as you say possible, people start saying, well, give it enough time. But no, it's not possible. It's not even logical. Another five elements make up that other percent, basically, or 85% of that 1%, and that's sulfur, potassium, sodium, chlorine, and magnesium. These are the 11 essential elements. And no matter if you just randomly whip them all together, you don't come up with anything living. You come up with nothing that's functioning. Nothing that would even have a purpose. Why would it even be there? You just whipped it together. That's not purpose. But it's amazing how God could take these elements and make us. Isn't that amazing? And he can make all the animals, the seven billion species in the world, and make them all different. It's amazing what God's able to do with these elements. And so here's DNA. you got these elements, but so you take the DNA, and all of this has genetic instructions to develop functioning and growth and reproduction. And uh, as you look at these, these chemicals that make us up, there's only 118, but they're made up in such ways that they, they create this DNA strand, and here, here you see it here. But all this has to be put into perfect order to make something. For example, you just take this Australian lungfish, has the largest genome, and a genome is a set of genes or genetic material present in a cell or organism. But look at this, this lungfish genome is a 43 billion base pairs long, which is about 14 large, times larger than the human genome. What is the possibility of randomly putting together perfectly 43 billion pairs, right? And coming up with a lungfish. Well, friends, it's not mathematically possible. And to have that lungfish, those 43 billion, billion pairs, has to be perfect. You can't start taking genes out of this fish and still have a lungfish. That's just astronomically impossible that this happened randomly. No, there's a God behind this who put together those 43 billion pairs perfectly to have this fish that has a purpose in this environment. 
It's the only way it can happen. There are 10 major systems in the human body. They're namely the skeletal, muscular, nervous, endocrine, cardiovascular, lymphatic, respiratory, digestive, urinary, and reproductive systems. And all these systems are predominantly put together perfectly by just how many elements? About 11. There's maybe 25, some say 28. And they make up that, that little, little, little bit. But basically these 11. The possibility of randomly putting these together and wind up with all these necessary systems to function. What's the possibility? It is zero. It's not possible. No matter how much time you give it. In fact, the more time you give it, the less likely it's to happen. But anyway, consider a computer program or software. Computer programmers write code for the computer software to perform certain functions on your computer. But what happens to the computer software if you randomly add unintelligible code? So let's say you're, you're using code where they use the zeros and the one, right? And these all have a pattern for specific functions. But if you take that software and you just randomly add zeros and ones and zeros and ones and zeros and ones, what happens to the software? If you add enough of them, it won't work at all. And the more you add, the less likely it's going to work. So you see what I'm saying? That if you give something enough time and you just randomly keep adding zeros and ones or adding, just throwing sulfur here and throwing sodium here and throwing... What's the possibility of life? It is, it's a zero. It's zero functionality. So there's a definite and wonderful intelligent designer. Each human cell contains... Each cell contains approximately 3 billion base pairs. The DNA of a single cell contains so much information that it represents over 1.5 million pages of text. Okay? What would happen if you randomly put 3 billion letters of the alphabet together? You just have these 3 billion letters and you just put them in a churn and you just turn it and turn it and kind of like playing Powerball or something. They just pop up, these letters pop up, whatever. What's the chances you're going to get intelligent you're not, you're not going to wind up with even one page of something intelligent. Now, to re see how much I don't have enough time during my day, to, but anyway, or too much time, I should say, I started adding this up. 70 years. If you live 70 years, that's 25,550 days. And if uh, you divide that by 150 million pages, that means you would have to spend a lifetime of reading 58 pages a day just to be able to read the code or the information in one cell in the body. In fact, you only live long enough to understand and read the, the information in one cell in the human body. And there are 30 to 40 trillion cells in the human body. So it would be impossible. There's, there's no way that other than someone but God who is beyond space, who's beyond time, could have done this, right? If you saw hieroglyphics, you got a guy with a bow and arrow and he's chasing a deer, right? On a cave wall, would you assume it was due to natural processes like wind and rain? Oh, the rain caused that. No. A mind was behind that, right? You know that. It took a mind. 
So all forms of communication from newspapers to radio, from television to the internet, have their origin as an intelligent being with a mind. Would you agree? All information requires a mind behind it. And uh, take printing. Um, the information output of a machine cannot exceed the information it was programmed to perform. An electronic printing press can print a book when all the data for that book is electronically sent. It used to be years ago, on a printing press, you'd put a plate on it. But now they can just electronically send all that information. You can send the whole book, and then it'll print the whole book. But if you don't send any information to it, what's the printing press going to do? It's not going to do anything. So you could have a physical body, but if there's no information in here, nothing works. Not even a cell. You remember, one cell has 1.5 million pages of text to function. It takes a lot of information for us to live and breathe and be creative and so forth. It takes a lot of information. Birds can fly because anatomically they're designed to fly and they possess all the intelligence and instinct to fly. In fact, they were pre-programmed to fly, right? But evolution tells us that birds evolved from meat-eating dinosaurs called theropods over the span of 10 million years. What's a theropod? You know T-Rex? Now, T-Rex would be taller than the ceiling. It's the guy with the little arms and the big mouth, right? All those teeth. A theropod is his little brother. And his little brother would stand as tall as the ceiling. Now, how that became a bird, you see what I'm saying? There's no possibility of T-Rex's little brother becoming a bird. It would take so much mutations. But here's the problem. Mutations don't add abilities. Mutations actually take them away. And they've done an experiment... I think this is, yeah, E. coli, Lenski. If you look up Lenski's experiment, he was trying to find a way to prove evolution. But nobody lives long enough to see animals evolve, right? I mean, you'd have to see so many generations. But he thought, well, maybe if I could take E. coli, I could take a bacteria that reproduces very quickly. And then I, I do this over decades, and I just see what happens to the, the E. coli over, over decades. And so this is what they found. They did find, second... Paragraph, they did observe some change in the E. coli, but were these changes evidence of a new species or simply the same species adapting to a new environment? Because even as creationists, we don't deny adaptation. If I move to the North Pole and I live there the rest of my life, would I have to adapt? Would there be maybe some measurable changes in me? Does that make me a new species? No. So there is adaptation. Lenski's experiment did not show that bacteria gained any ability through mutations. It was just the opposite. The survivability of future bacteria was occurring as the bacteria was losing information and function. So perhaps maybe this E. coli couldn't absorb a certain form of sugar anymore for food, so it would actually lose that ability. That was a mutation. It lost an ability. You see, that's the things that were taking place. But look at us. Have we adapted 
since the fall of Adam and Eve? You know, who else was as tall as the ceiling? Adam himself, you know? And so we've had to adapt not only to the to sin, but to the flood. And as a result, we're not even half as tall as, as Adam. We're far more susceptible to disease. We've adapted a lot. I mean, look at us compared to Adam and Eve. Are we still human? Fully human? Yeah, we're the same species, but we've had to adapt. And here's the thing, too. You know, there are people, if you say, well, why don't we live as long as people in the Old Testament? Adam lived till he was 930. And he said, oh, Adam wasn't a real person. That's a... Okay, well, that's fine. What about Noah? Oh, he was, that's a flood, that's a, it's all, that's, none of that's true. Okay, what about Abraham? Can people deny that Abraham existed? I mean, you've got two great nations after him who claim him as a historical figure. Is this true? you got the Hebrew nation after Isaac and the Arab nation after Ishmael. He's a true historical figure. And he lived till he was, well, 4,000 years ago is when he lived. 4,000 years ago. But his father lived to 205. Anybody here getting... I feel like that in the morning, but anyway. But Abraham was 138 years old when Sarah died at 127. And Abraham remarried, had other sons and daughters, after being 138. I don't know when guys can stop reproducing children. 78? I don't know. 68? Somewhere, right? And Abraham remarried, fathered other sons and daughters, passed away at the age of 175. Isaac lived to 180. Adam's, or Abraham's son Jacob lived to 147, or grandson. We live half that. And we have Cleveland Clinic. We live half that. Why do we live half that if we're evolving? And survival of the fittest. Why did people 4,000 years ago live more than twice as long as we live today? Because the creation account is true. We are devolving. We are getting weaker. And one of the reasons, and we'll talk more about this when we talk about the mind, but there's over 100,000 new chemicals in our world just simply since the Industrial Revolution that didn't exist prior to the 1800s. And those over 100,000 chemicals are in our soil, and they're in our air, and they're in our water. Just look at Flint, Michigan. Look what happened to the Roman Empire with its aqueduct system and, and, and uh, what was it, lead being in the water and its effects. It affects the human brain. God, God knew all this. He protected us. There's a gate, so to speak, that doesn't just let everything into the brain. Because God knew we lived in an environment that would quickly destroy the brain. But at the same time, we, it does affect us. Some of this actually is getting through, which is why we have all the autism. And we have all the dementia, which is really a modern mental health illness. 
because of the chemicals, because we're destroying the earth. There's a lot more competition for our body to fight off. And uh, this, is, this is real. So for God to have, think about this, for God to have a people who perfectly reflect the image of Jesus in this toxic environment is an absolute miracle. But it would take a group of people who believed in God as the designer, who had laws in protecting this mind and obeyed those laws. Because right now, mental illness is it's not going down. It's going up. And it's going up very quickly. I mean, even amongst young people, one out of four people fight depression and anxiety. It's high. It's not slowing down. Why? You see? And if, if, if we abide by all the laws that God has, he will honor that. And he'll protect us. He'll help us experience healing in the mind and in the body. Right? This is the testimony we're to give to the world. This is part of telling people to worship him who created heaven and earth. You know, there's something else about design. The eye is a good example of common design by the same designer. God really must like this. That we have two eyes. Because you see this in just about everything. I think 99%, I mean, you can, the only things that don't really have eyes are things like sponges and things like that. But they make up such a small part of living things. But you think of everything else, reptiles and amphibians and mammals and birds, what do they have? They have these eyes and they have, there's, they specialize light sensitive cells. They have that, the pathways conveying the signals to the brain and the brain processing this. And how does evolution explain how these seven separate distinct species just all have a set of eyes? And the only explanation is that they all had a common ancestor. That simple single cell must have had a what? A pair of eyeballs. And it just gets a little more difficult to believe, Right? And so God clearly, there's clearly a designer who loves the design, who believes in us having eyes and all creation having it, right? And then there's over-design. Not, don't mean that in a negative way. But there's abilities that we have that go beyond our need to just simply survive. Evolution is survival of the fittest. So to survive, to have a simple shelter, gather food, carry a club, would you need these 25 muscles in your face to make 10,000 different facial expressions? So just look at these expressions. I could do this one. He's falling asleep. (laughs) Does that help me survive? What about this? Did any of these help me survive? No, they have nothing to do with survival. 
And yet I can make all kinds of faces. I won't make them all up here. Why do, we, why do we have this design? Why are facial expressions a good way of communicating? And if we're made in God's image, is God able to make faces? I don't mean that in a funny way. Is that important? You know, not so long from now, according to Revelation, when Jesus returns, you go to heaven, and for the first time you see God's face. Think about the different expressions. The joy on God's face when he sees all those for whom his son died. For whom he gave his son. You going to want to see that face? You want to make sure that face wasn't just randomly there? That it really means something? Expressions do mean something. Because we are created to have this ability. There's a lot of things we could put up here, but the flagellum is a, is a way of transporting bacteria. This, this is like a motor with rotors and everything. And this tail spins, whips around like a propeller up to a thousand times per second. And it can stop in a quarter turn and whip a thousand times per second the other way to go in a different direction. And this is how things, if, if we could look inside the human body, it just looks like a, a manufacturing plant. Things are there. I wish I could have brought this, but there's other things that carry things and, and, and they have this animation. We're just taking steps. It's walking. It's got carrying stuff with it. It's the coolest thing. That just didn't just happen. A hundred steps per second. Has to have information to do that. It knows what it's doing. It's doing all the right things because information's in it. And if you have information, you have to have a what? You have to have a designer. There has to be a mind And it was just how much more do we see today? Infinitely more. And, and as year and year go by, we see even more, and all of it points to design. Not we looked at this verse for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. What do you need? The things that are things we can't see. You can't see the operation of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but can you see it? Mm-hmm. Not physically. Is there evidence? And ultimately, when we continue the series, we're going to realize that God designed us to understand it. Because He is the life. He's the life giver. And without Him, there is, there actually is no life. Now, for people who don't believe in God or don't believe in Jesus, By his mercy, he allows them to live this life. And even if they just live 70 years, God will still allow the rain to fall on them as anybody else. Because God's a God of life. But ultimately, God wants them to live for how long? Forever with himself. And that's why he gave his son to die for how many? For all. And that's our work. Our work isn't actually 
they're able to be forgiven, right? And, and God, this loving God, sent his son to forgive them. And sometimes the most unpromising people wind up being like Paul, the greatest pastor within the Christian church. And remember that Jesus' first missionary was a man who was a demoniac that threw himself in a fire. And would scream at night in a cemetery, scaring the bejeebers at her. That's his first missionary who went back and told everything that Jesus had done for him, and the town comes out. There's something else other than being able to see his eternal power. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow, this cast of the other, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So the more we see and learn about God through nature, the more it should convince us that God cares about me. And that's part of the problem with city life. Because you're surrounded with all the artificial. And we need more outings. We need to spend more time in nature to study the things that God has made. Because when you look even at a blade of grass, you realize if God cares about a blade of grass, does he care about what I'm going through? And this is part of studying intelligent design is it convinces you that there is a loving God who does take care of the things he created. And you're the finishing touch of his creation. You're the crowning act of his creation. And creating us in his image, he, he made us like himself. How much more does he love you? Right? God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doth he, which he cannot, or that he doeth, which we cannot comprehend. The wondrous works of him, which is, he's perfect in knowledge. So, you know, when you look at the human body, you'd say, is there anything missing? The answer is no. Is there something missing in our ecology out there? And the answer is no. It's not like we need twice as many animals or species. It's complete. His knowledge is perfect. And to know that this wonderful being whose knowledge is perfect can solve all my problems perfectly if I make him my problem solver. But when you look through Bible stories and when people kept trying to help God out because it didn't follow their timetable, how these stories turn out? Yeah, when people become their own problem solver instead of going to God for direction, it never turns out right. I've never studied so read a story where it turns out when man does it by himself. And so God's last day remnant church actually winds up keeping all the commandments of God in the faith of Jesus because they trust God. Because they're not trying to do it by themselves. In fact, we had this conversation recently in our family. It's like, I don't have to perform for God. I just have to believe that the work he has begun in me, he'll continue to do it as long as I don't get in the way. As long as I cooperate with him to allow him to do what he's fully capable of doing without me trying to take the steering wheel from him. Or get out of the car. Stay in the car let Jesus drive because he knows where to take you. 
the dangerous roads. He knows everything to stay away from. We have no idea what tomorrow brings. Why would you want to be the driver? So we looked at the laws of nature, like the law of there's law of gravity, law of thermodynamics. We know these exist, the Ten Commandments. Uh, we've been studying at prayer meeting uh, the, the meaning of the laws and principles that unlock prophecy. The New Start program, of course, is the laws, physical laws, health laws that we talk about. Let me close up here pretty soon. Through the obedience to God's laws, we receive the rich benefits of health and happiness. However, the violation of these laws do lead to sadness and suffering and death. Um, now, one of the, the greatest proofs to me about intelligent design that you don't generally hear people of science talk about is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus became one of us. And who did Jesus say he was? He was the Son of God. If that's true, evolution's done. Right? So to accept evolution is basically to say that Jesus isn't who he said he was. But then I have to ask myself a question. Why did the creator become me? One of, one of us. Right? So it's really not enough for us just to believe there's a creator. We have to continue with the story that the creator became human. Why did he become human? Because we broke these laws. And the breaking of these laws is death. And the creator, the designer, didn't want to leave you. He designed you to live forever. He never designed us to die. Sin brought forth death. The transgressions of his laws brings forth death. But the life giver says, I'll become one of them and die in their place if they accept my death for their, to take the death, the penalty upon myself, and then begin to keep what? My laws. Not to earn anything, but to say, I want to be in 100% agreement with the life giver. I want to be in 100% agreement with the designer. Because does the clay tell the potter what to do? We're not the potter. Amen. We're the clay. Amen. And we can't tell the potter what his laws ought to be. We conform to those by his grace and his presence. So I'm going to use this acronym, CREATION. And I like New Start. New Start is nutrition, exercise, water, uh, uh, sunlight, temperance, air, rest, and trust in God. And I like that. I like it a lot. It's helped a lot of people. But the downside of it that I see is not focused enough on the spiritual. It's predominantly physical. But our problem is predominantly spiritual. If you get the spiritual right, and you get the relationship right, the physical is going to fall in place. Would you agree with that? Because we can make a lot of healthy sinners before Jesus comes. But ultimately, we want healthy saints. And so the C is communion with God. 
Ultimately, we were made, yes, to live forever. That's a physical thing. But why were we made to live forever? You see? And that was to commune with God. God wants to have fellowship with you. So that's where we're going to begin in our next sermon. And then we're going to go through this. And then relationships. Relationships has a lot to do with health. And a lot with mental health. Your relationships, not just with God, but with other people. How those relationships going? You see what I'm saying? And we need to be talking about being at peace with how many? Even if they're not at peace with you. You're not the one burning down the bridges. You're the one doing things that build bridges. And there's nothing more you can do than that. They have freedom of choice too. But you exercise your choice to do all the things that have a positive relationship with the people who come in your sphere. And then exercise is important. And we'll talk about the event. And this is really more focused on mental health and spirituality and the, the emphasis of exercises. So attitudes. Everybody has an attitude. Do I have an attitude? Yes, <laughs> you do, Jeff. But I also have a worldview. And my attitude towards people... Why are you laughing, Pete? <laughs> so my attitude towards people and life, does it matter? You know, most people's attitudes are formed by the age of seven. Most of their prejudices are formed by the age of four. Your brain goes through a lot of changes up to the age of ten, but everything's pretty permanent at that point as far as pathways of behavior. Not that it can't change. That's the good news. Whatever pathways, but by age 10, there's a lot of pathways that's set in there. And except for the gospel of Jesus Christ, those aren't going to change. But by God's grace, we can all be recreated in the image of Jesus Christ. Okay? Then we're going to talk about the importance of temperance, which isn't, it isn't moderation in what's bad. You know, we don't talk about moderation and smoking. It's abstinence and all that's bad and moderation and that which is good. Immunity, talking about the immune system, how our thoughts affect our immune system and things like that. Outside, fresh air and sunshine. It does make a difference getting out, seeing the living green and the, breathing in the fresh air. Respiration is huge when it comes to mental health. A lot of people feel sluggish just simply because they don't breathe properly. They breathe very shallow. And so when we're told to get outside and take some deep breaths, get this thing going, get yourself charged up, you know, is good. But if you sit too long and it's all shallow breathing, you can feel a little sluggish. If you feel a little sluggish, you're more likely to give in to sin? Absolutely. We need fresh air like we need all these other laws of health. Um, and, of course, water and so forth, and then nutrition fills out the rest of it. I like this arrangement because I think it talks more about who we are as people. And uh, we're way more than just something physical. There's relationships, there's communion with God that are paramount. And then there is our physical being. And there is a real immune system that we need to cooperate with to fight off 
a time of earth's history where there's never been more things fighting against you and your health than today. And they're not just all natural. There's probably some man-made stuff out there that you now have to fight. But God is good and God is great. And all you have to do is obey him. And he takes care of the rest. What do you say? Amen. Amen.